Uh, is this thing still on? It's been a while. This show's been on hiatus for a couple of months. I told you that Doug and I were going to put something together, the likes of which you had not ever seen before, and I still plan to do that. But it's not going to happen in the immediate future because I've got bigger things on my plate right now. So what I wanted to do was, well, something. And uh, Doug and I started talking, and he said, Hey, um, hey, remember the Deeper Thought podcast you did a couple of years ago? Doug and I decided that we could go through some of those episodes. Over the next several weeks, several months, you're going to get access to what you previously weren't able to. Hopefully, this little provocation will help you sell something that you haven't sold before. And uh, stay tuned for these episodes as they drop week over week. I think you're going to take something away from them. I know you're going to be entertained by them. And uh, I just, I can't wait to talk to you again real soon. My name's Jeff Bajoric, and my career in sales has been a hell of a ride. And I want to bring you along with me. If you prefer to sell things at a premium, if you never want to win a deal on price, rethink the way you sell. Welcome back to the show. My name's Jeff Bajoric. I'm your host, and I'm here to help you rethink the way you sell. We are in the middle of season five, the seven steps to sell like you. Now, step one was to know yourself. How do you sell like you if you don't know who you are, right? Step two is know your best customers. It's really important that we do our best to recreate our best customers and to think about what their situations, their motives, their you know environments may be like. And so we spent a couple of episodes talking about who they are, why they would buy, why wouldn't they buy, and how are you actually putting yourself in front of them. And now we're into step three. Step three is to know your process. Now, this is where I think things get interesting, right? You ask people all the time, uh, you know, is selling an art or a science? And some people say, oh, it's a science because you can repeatedly put people through a system and get consistent results. And yeah, okay. Um, and some people say, no, it's an art because look at how many different ways there are to succeed. And I think anybody who thinks about it longer than about 10 seconds will tell you that it is a combination of both. There is a healthy dose of art and science in selling, which is why if you strictly only take one approach, you'll only get so far. So, I mean, I think it should be clear that there is at least a lot of art to it because I say it all the time, you never sell better than when you sell like you. But there is a rigid structure to the process that makes it more like a science. So that is how I believe the two get married. The art and science are really your methods and your process. And I start with process because it's important to understand what needs to be done. Now, the process is the science of selling. This is where we understand what needs to happen, and then we base our methods on the best way that we can make those things happen, the best way we can accomplish the end result. But if you don't understand what your goals are, if you don't understand those things that need to happen in the sales process in order to come out on the other end of it with a sale in hand, well, then all the methods in the world are pointed in the wrong direction. So what I want to talk to you about today is really my understanding and my explanation for what the sales process is. And then over the next couple of episodes, we'll dig a little bit deeper into why it's so important, why it's important really for you to understand what yours is. 
And then we're going to, I'm going to share some things about uh, my experience installing these, auditing these, and helping my clients understand their process. Because here's the thing, again, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. If you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, it's really difficult to make it happen. And it's not as quite the same as goal setting. It's not just setting your sights on something. It's knowing what needs to happen. And when you know what needs to happen, you can decide on your best ways for you to make it happen. Okay, so I really think there are only four steps. And look, everybody's sales process is a little different. Every company has got some kind of variation on this theme. But when it comes down to the sales process and the seller's role in it, I believe there are only four steps. And uh, if you're not watching on YouTube right now, or if you're not in the Spotify video feed, you may want to check those out. Um, you can go, I mean, obviously you can listen to this. This one isn't as visually uh, important as the last episode was when I talked about growability and accessibility of your best clients. Uh, but I want you to refer to the visuals that I've put up here because I think they're going to help you um, just see the partially the cyclical nature of it, but really the simplicity involved in the sales process. So the visuals I've got up, step one is identify who you can help. Basically, this is what the whole previous step of the seven steps to sell like you was all about identifying who your best customers are. Do you know what they look like? Do you know where to look? And do you know how to get in front of them, right? It's not the actual getting in front of them. That is actually step two. But in this four step process, step one is identify who you can help. Step two is get their attention. This is otherwise known as prospecting. Some people might put marketing in here, and this is where there's a tremendous overlap between sales and marketing in those motions, in those functions. We're all trying to get the attention of our prospects. Now, I want to spend just a minute here, and I want you to um, really think about the difference between access and attention. And this is an important concept here because many of you have access to your best customers, but you don't have their attention. And I ran into this early in my career. I sold to orthopedic surgeons. I understood who I needed to be in front of, and I even got in front of them. But there were a lot of times where, because I was likable, because I had a good reputation, because I had a great line or lines, actually, of products, people would come in or I would come into the office and they say, come on back, Jeff, let's talk. And while they were evaluating x-rays, while they were updating their notes, while they were taking care of some other charting, they would have me just pitch them. Oh, yeah, Jeff, what you got? Tell me all about it. And meanwhile, I'm noticing that they're really not paying attention to me at all. And I think this is one of the most underrated aspects of the sales process because of this confusion between access and attention. And so a funny thing happened, a counterintuitive thing happened. When I stopped making that uh, confusion or when I stopped getting those things confused, when I started asking for their attention and giving back my access. And what I mean by that is I'd come in, I'd see a doctor and he'd say, Jeff, come on back. And I'd say, doc, I'll tell you what, I'm just here to see if you're available next week. Can you give me 10 minutes next week? I have something important I want to talk to you about. And they'd say, oh, no, I got two minutes right now. Just lay it on me. And I say, no, doc, I'll tell you what. You're in the middle of things, and I appreciate you being willing to see me, but I'm going to give you your two minutes back right now in exchange for 10 next week because it's important. I want to make sure I have your attention. 
And after they looked at me kind of cockeyed, like, are you really turning down an opportunity? Right? Yeah, they, of course. They'd say, yeah, come back at this time or I'm on vacation next week. So let me come back at this time. I'll tell you what. It seems counterintuitive to tell a seller to slow down. It seems counterintuitive to tell a seller that, hey, I know your customer's right in front of you and they've just asked you to pitch them. But I want you to give that time back because you don't have their full attention. A funny thing happened. Uh, when I started doing that, when I started coming back a week later, two weeks later, whenever it was for that 10 minute meeting that inevitably turned into 15 or 20 minutes, um, my close rates went through the roof. I was so much more effective as a seller because I actually had the attention of my prospects, not just the access to them. So if we go back to the sales process here, step one is identify who you can help. Step two is not get access to them. It's get their attention. And the way I define this, I always defined it for myself was, do I have a scheduled appointment on their calendar? Are they dedicating specific time to me? That is what I mean by attention. Now, step three in the process is communicate your value. This is not just have a meeting. This is have a meaningful exchange. This is the sales meeting itself. Are you learning things about them? Are you giving them things to help them understand? You know, are you teaching them something, right? Are you learning about each other? Now, this is probably going to be more than one meeting, right? You're not going to make a sale in one call in most instances. So don't be so, don't be, you know, so anxious. Don't be in such a hurry to pitch them on everything to, you know, make sure that you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's. This is the dancing part of the sales process. This is the interaction. This is going to be a discovery call. It might be a separate presentation call. There might be multiple of those. And I'll get on that in a second. But right now, I want you to think about this phase, this step of the process. You are communicating your value. And I chose those words very specifically. You need to understand what your value could look like. And they need to understand what your value, what your value rather, looks like. And then step four is asking for next steps. Closing the sale. Well, sometimes closing the sale means that you won the deal. Congratulations. Sometimes closing the sale means we need to have another meeting. So this is the cyclical nature of the sales process. And the more complicated this process is, the more people you need to be selling to. And people talk about enterprise sales. And, okay, I've got one person at the end user I need to close on this. Then I have, um, you know, that person's manager or VP. And ultimately, then I have someone in purchasing who needs to go through this. And so, it, Jeff, your, your sales process can't be this linear. Well, actually, it is. It just sometimes you have to have multiple of these going on in the same time or at the same time, rather, in the same account. Sometime you need to be talking to the VP of sales, right? Maybe I need to be talking to a VP of sales about coming in and training or working with an organization to help them perform better. And meanwhile, I need to have a separate conversation with the chief revenue officer about how I'm going to implement that with just one of their departments and maybe getting some buy-in on the expenditure that's going to be involved with this. And then I might have to have a third conversation or set of conversations with the CEO so that she understands the bottom line impact that the is going to make and will ultimately sign off on the purchase. So this is how a multi-threaded, multi-layered sales process works, but with each individual in 
who's involved with the sale, you have this same emotion. Do you have their attention? Have you communicated your value? Have you asked then for the next steps? This is how it works. Now, there are going to be different sub steps within each one of those steps, right? Your prospecting will probably have multiple stages in a campaign. There's going to be a certain amount of phone outreach, a certain amount of email outreach, a certain amount of social media touches. There's going to be some brand awareness. There's going to be some marketing involved there. So there are a lot of things that lead up to the concept of step number two of getting their attention. Again, when I talked about you know, communicating your value. Is there discovery? Is there another discovery call? How, who are you presenting to? How many times do you need to present? What does the objection handling look like? Right? All of those things fit underneath step three. Step four is really about execution. What's next? And again, sometimes you need to go back and have another meeting, right? And so there's a little bit of a loop there. And I'll illustrate this with, you know, coming out of my former history, uh, or I guess former history, that's a, that's a little bit redundant, isn't it? But coming from my history, um, selling to orthopedic surgeons, the way I sold total knee implants was I'd have a series of conversations about why I felt our solution, in this case, particularly our surgical technique and some of the assistance that we provided with the surgical technique, was going to be valuable to them, was going to teach them something different about putting a well-fitted, well-aligned implant in their patients. And then ultimately, there needed to be a process that we went through to get them comfortable with how we were doing it because we brought in some changes to the surgical techniques. So we would demonstrate in the office on a plastic model. And then once they got familiar with the routine and got maybe some of the instrumentation in their hands because of the plastic model, then we would go a couple of different ways. The, the order here was sometimes different. Uh, sometimes they would go and see a surgeon use the system in real time in a real operating room. Other times they would go to a lab. Occasionally we would bring a lab to them where they could actually try this in a more appropriately simulated setting. And then ultimately it would become time to try it, right? So there's really four steps there. And often it was the way I just laid it out. Plastic model, visualize the surgery in real time, try a simulated surgery in a laboratory setting. And then ultimately it's like, hey, do you wanna try this on one of your patients? And we're actually gonna ask you to do to commit to 10 of them, right? Because we want you to get through the learning curve a little bit. If we skipped any of those steps, we had a greatly reduced uh, percentage of success. We had a greatly reduced win rate. But when we made sure that we approached the process appropriately, when we were patient, when we were diligent, when we were always asking for next steps, it was very rare that a sale took any longer than it needed to. I want to make sure that I point something out here. The reason most sales cycles are longer than they need to be is not because of the customer. It's not because of your prospect. It's because of you, the seller. You can't make anybody buy more urgently than they're ready. They're going to be ready when they're ready. You cannot increase the level of urgency that they have. But what you can do is avoid slowing things down. So when it comes to closing the sale, that fourth step there, asking for next steps is, you know, do you know what you need to ask for? Are you prepared to ask? And are you ready and willing to ask when the time comes?
That means scheduling next appointments while you're in the current appointment. That means making sure that you know exactly what to ask for and how to ask. If I knew that I had a couple of conversations about the implant, about the surgical technique, I knew at some point I was going to have to say, hey, doc, you know, we can bring a plastic model into the office. Maybe we can actually bring uh, a sawbones model in and you can practice to your heart's content on this new system and really get a feel for how we approach this and how it's different from yours. I knew to ask for that, right? And then once that went well, I knew to ask for, hey, does it make sense for you to come and see one of our surgeons implant these? Or does it make sense? We've got a lab coming up. Can we go someplace where you can actually try this in a simulated lab, right? You got to know what to ask for. And I also needed to know when those labs were coming up, all those things. So there was preparation for the sales call, not just in terms of what are this person's motives going to be, but in terms of if I'm going to ask for a next step, what does it look like and when? And how does the urgency or lack thereof affect my ask? Again, we get back to the fact that this is the process of selling. This is the science of selling. The fact that you need to ask is part of the process. The way you ask is the art. It's part of your methods. I'm going to get into that in a couple of episodes. But I want you to think about right now, what does your sales process look like? Are you familiar with it? Are you familiar with the things that need to happen in order for that sale to come through to completion? Or are you just blindly leading and asking for next steps or not even asking for next steps? Are you just doing like what I did when I was early in my career, putting your hands in front of your customers' faces, telling them you're there, telling them you like them, reminding them that they like you and telling them you got something great for them. You know, do you recognize what you're trying to accomplish and are you working toward that? Or are you just out there making sales calls and hoping for the best? Think about that. That's my challenge for you at the end of today. I am really looking forward to next week. I am going to talk about why you should write your sales process down and how it's probably a little more lengthy of a document than you might think. It's not just going to have four steps in it. I can promise that. But everything we talk about is going to lead up to these four steps that I led you to today or led you through rather today. Thank you for being with me. I appreciate you spending your podcast time with me. Uh, there are a lot of shows out there, and uh, I think you made a good choice, but you certainly have a lot of choices to make. So I appreciate you spending your time with me today, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Rethink the Way You Sell is a Pot About It production. It's mixed and edited by Doug Branson, with music by Blue Dot Sessions and Doug Branson. This podcast is masterminded by Jeff Bajorek.